0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the August 2020 AdHeart Heart Call, Inspiring Forward Movement and Heart-Powered Intention. Again, I'm just very grateful for all of you who attend these monthly calls. I feel and I've heard from many of you how meaningful it is and how much we are all growing together and putting out more heart into this world. The title of this call is, Add Heart to What's Making a Difference, and it's the third in our series of what's making a difference in our communities, because until we heal our communities, we won't really be able to do much to heal the world, and many people are feeling a heart prompting to make a difference and, and not quite sure how. How do we contribute to a sustainable shift in our communities? And I'm really grateful to have as my guest this time, Dr. James Miles, who is an expert in community engagement and doing some marvelous work to help heal and empower African American communities and other inner city communities, especially in the Chicago area where he lives. He's a senior partner in the Resilient Communities Initiative and a HeartMath Certified Master Trainer. James is also a consultant to the Northern Illinois Public Health Consortium and conducts participatory research focused on community engagement. So he's a lot of background in what works and what doesn't work in community development collaboratives. And the fact that he's integrated heart mass, emotional self-regulation, and resilience tools in the work he's doing with so many incredible stories, I wanted James to share what he's finding is really making a difference. So welcome James, welcome to Thank our Thank you. Ad-Hop
1: Glad to be here with you, Debbie.
0: So James, let's start right off in your work with communities. How is adding heart and emotional regulation tools making a difference for people? And I know you've told me stories of people from teens to professional adults, especially in the African American community where there are so many challenges in racial separation and inequality. Could you share what you have found has made a difference?
1: You know, Debbie, there's, there's, what we find is, one, people love when you meet them where they are. And the idea that with the heart math tools and techniques, it really is kind of, it's like saying, as one person said to me, you're saying I see you. And what this lady was saying in, in our training, she was saying that in a lot of the training that she's been through, she feels like the trainers or the program is just telling her to come over, forget who she is, and come and, and be something else. Whereas when we started really talking about heart, and we started talking about applying it to the very things that matter to her. She was like, you see me. I can feel this. This is something that's challenging, but I can do this. I want to do this. And that was just an example, and, and that particular training was all about stress response to the things going on in the pandemic. Um, but that's just one example where, you know, I thought her comments were just so on point, and the idea that when, you, when we really drop into our heart and when we really connect with one another, one of the things, that it helps us to see each other in a whole different lens, and it helps us to open up to new possibilities with each other.
0: Oh, it does, isn't that the truth? I mean, I know in my heart, I'm sure you, <laughs> we all do who are on this call or wouldn't be on the call, how heart-to-heart connection just sees beyond differences. And there's so many people who feel they are uh, not seen. And right. what they really want seen is their heart. Yes. Um, so what have you found in... Helping people understand that a change of heart, not just a change of the rules and regulations and do-good topical adjustments, which don't sustain, how have you found lasting change as you help people with these tools?
1: Yeah, so I was on the call. We had about 21, 22 uh, young men. They're all in their 20s, early 30s, and. The topic was dealing with uh, microaggressions, looking at um, the inequities, the kind of things you mentioned when we opened the call up. So these young guys, you know, we're on the call, we're talking, and um, one thing that was really fascinating, so one example, one of the gentlemen who, a successful businessman, um, African-American, he parked his car in uh, valet because he didn't want to park it in the uh, parking lot. Well, when he came back out to get his car, the valet didn't want to give it to him because the valet didn't think he could own that kind of car. They called the supervisor. The supervisor didn't want to do it. So now the next step would be to call the police. And, um, and it's, it's you know, broadly discussed that that has mixed um, outcomes. Well, in the workshop, this gentleman was like, I want to be able to manage myself better. And what he liked, we were talking about um, inner ease at the time, and he said, I want to start using this um, because I want to start really managing, handling my stress, getting myself into a place where when these things come up, I have a better chance of acting versus reacting, and then it escalated in a negative way. And somehow he intuitively understood that even though he wasn't making excuses or trying to dismiss uh, the inappropriate uh, behavior of these persons, but he understood that he had a role to play in how he reacted to it, and that what we were doing on that call would help him better handle these circumstances, because unfortunately it wasn't the first time he experienced it, Um, and that these things that we were talking about, the tools, the techniques, just being able to discuss it amongst other men on a call Um, would help you make a difference. Um, And I'd like to share one other thing that happened on that call, if you don't mind.
0: Sure, please.
1: So on the same call, one of the organizers, and I remember these are young men, you know, prime, you know, sometimes, you know, and when I was a young man there, full of bravado. One of the young men said this, Debbie, and it just completely touched me. At the end, near the end of the call, they were celebrating, you know, accomplishments of each other, which is good in community. One of the gentlemen said, I cried. And I was like, oh, my gosh. He said, I cried. I thought, wow, at a point of celebration. And then he said he had not cried since 2014. And the fact that he was able to just open up and that vulnerability was no longer a negative, and again, we were in a discussion and in a training that talked about what did it mean to really understand the role of emotions as we deal with everyday situations. And, of course, for them, these situations were just amplified with all the recent protests and just discussions around racial, social, and economic um, inequalities. That was an amazing testimony as well.
0: Mm, That is amazing. What it says to me is heart empowerment, giving people these skills and tools to really connect deeper with her own hearts. Because a lot of these communities, Latino, inner city, African American, there's tremendous heart. You have to have that to even keep going with a lot of the challenges that are involved. And living in that communities and with the society is the way it is. To be able to acknowledge the heart and facilitate with emotional regulation skills to empower that heart connection and speak from the heart and manage from the heart that creates a power that actually probably will speak more to people who are perpetrating these inequities out of fear or mindsets. I, I see the potential for that, you know, bigger way to really make a difference. And can you talk about that?
1: Absolutely. So we, we were on, you know, and I guess all these things I'll share are coming out of actual trainings or workshops so we do these workshops called the smart revolutionary and the ideal of the smart revolutionary is the fact that it's not just about going out and protesting and fighting it's an evolution how do we evolve into our better self Um, and so we were on a call and this time actually it was all women the same in that 20 to 30 uh, year range and so one of the young ladies um, who was the director of a social service program um, and another young lady on the call who was, had just completed a PhD and was doing this clinical work, they got into a, a discussion, and one of the things that came up was, okay, if we can practice getting into a place of coherence, if we can really strengthen that heart mind connection, and then approach a lot of the issues we're trying to solve, the people we're trying to work with, and just the level of enhanced fear that comes with all that's going on, then we'll see new solutions. Uh, you know, in fact, the, um, the statement that, that one of the ladies made was, I will be able to uh, handle my own fears and anxiety better, and therefore be able to really work with people better as we're trying to figure this thing out. Um, And I thought, spot on. We don't have to have the answer, but we have to be open to discovering it together.
0: Doing incredible work, James. You know, it sounds like a term we use here at HeartMath is street smart, and how the heart and what you're describing is really the street smart. And being able to take those tools and share with the people like you're doing and then them share with others and use these methods to connect with their heart-mind coherence and become more of who they really are, that's powerful. And as we know from the research on the heart, and once the heart mind nervous system get into that more coherent state, then we are open to intuitive guidance, intelligence, that can work for the whole, and sometimes right in the moment when we need it most, and the ability to do that with each other to co-create new solutions that's the hope that I see, and your stories really underscore that.:
1: What well, I tell you David, is uh, really um, you know you know sometimes you're just in there just really trying to connect and and see what value we can bring. Then there's other moments that just give you this kind of lighthearted, this is why I'm doing this work. And so in the, mm-hmm. on, on a training with a youth group on the west side of Chicago, um, one of the now these, these are uh, children in that mostly around 12, 13 to 17-year-olds, and the program mm-hmm. was helping them learn how to go out into community and capture stories of their community, to learn from the people in the community. And there's just so much value to that. Well, of course, they're nervous, a little scared, you know, getting used to talking to people. Um, doing. And so we came in and we started teaching just the straight tools, and we got to the uh, coherent communication. And so as we were going through it, one of the young ladies on the call, uh, she said, oh, my gosh, you're helping us be strong. You're helping us really come out here and just do what we want to do. And, you know, it, it caught me off guard one, um, but in a good way. And I just got quiet and just let them talk about how this could help. And, and they were talking; they started teaching each other, you know, and sharing each other about how these tools can help them show up Um You know, what does it mean to really just listen to someone's story? What does it mean to be non-judgmental and then share back what they're hearing? And I just, you know, it it was like, this is why I'm doing this. Because that group of children um, now are leaving that session empowered. And what was interesting, two sessions before that, they were kind of quiet. You know, we're doing all this through Zoom. We're having to be careful with connecting. Um, But to see them just blossom like that it was a clear testimony um, that this sense of heart was coming out and they felt okay sharing it, even right there, as we held space for each mm-hmm. other.
0: Powerful and very hopeful. I mean, the hope that this is what's going to take this to a whole other level is really exciting. And, and maybe you could share a little more about you've got these inspiring, confirming experiences to what you're teaching these kids and adults. How are you envisioning taking this another level, getting this more um, widely implemented? And I know that the people themselves and the kids themselves probably have a role in that.
1: Yes. So we have a program that we've um, designed and we're about to pilot it called Resilient Leaders. Um, and mm-hmm. the Resilient Leaders Program is actually a seven-module program. as one example of what we're doing. It's a seven-module program that will be piloted over three sets of ten weeks. So in the first ten weeks, um, the youth participants will learn about the resilient tools and practices. They also will learn about community development and engagement. They'll learn about economic development. And what they have to do then is take all of that training and actually create a business model or a program that they believe will be successful and beneficial in their community. And so in the second 10 weeks, then they will actually build out that program as a team, and then they'll have a competition um, to see which ideas are considered the most uh, viable, and then in the third 10 weeks, they actually will implement that. That's one example where we are, I don't like to call it institutionalizing, but we really are creating a much more collaborative environment that an an organization will actually help incubate. Um, And we believe that that training, based on what we've done so far, will actually start to uh, yield an annual cycle where you'll have youth who will go through it, then they'll come back and even help be facilitators and peer mentors to other youth. Um, so that's one example that we're doing right now. Um, in the second one, I talked about the smart revolutionary. Well, mm-hmm. the smart revolutionary and this ideal of evolving into our better self as we address issues of social and community uh, development and reform, we have a group here um, that works with the patient-centered outcome research, and they do community health work. So what we've done now, um, and it's funded through the PCORI, or Patient-Centered Outcome Research Institute, what we're doing now is that we've integrated what's called a resilience hub. And out of that resilience hub, these community health workers um, will learn the tools, they'll learn the practices, and they would take it out as they go into community to do their wellness and community research. Now here's what's interesting about that group. They actually do the work and then they are connected to Northwestern University's Institutional Review Board. So the research actually goes through a tier one university, but the community owns the process. So again, we have people who are really learning, and they're learning these tools and techniques so that they can go out and share it. And the ideal then is what will they come back and teach us? Because clearly we are students along with them, mm-hmm. and we'll see where mm-hmm. it goes. And I just, I, I have nothing but positive expectations on where heart will take all of us.
0: Oh, awesome. You know, if will there be any, um, <clears throat> if you've got a review board, can, will this be published?
1: Well, that's the thing. Um, there, There is a, a researcher from Northwestern. We have one out of Utah. um so there will be some documents that come out of it. I don't know right now, and I can find out and get back to you um, what the publishing track is. I know that I've helped them design some participatory uh, research um, designs that we'll implement um, that would be owned for um, practical training. But I'll find out. It's a great question.
0: Well, it's very exciting to set this up, um, because if people do use the tools, there's going to be some effective positive change because it is, we know that heart is the key to that. If there's any way we can think ahead of how to either publish or get this implemented and whatever is successful, the iterative process, learning a lot and evolving as we go, that whatever is successful, that other Communities could use. Certainly, other HeartMath professionals, people wanting to make a difference, people waking up to the heart and wondering what they can do. Because we hear that all the time here at HeartMath, and people feel called but aren't really clear how they can help.
1: You know, Debbie, there's one area, for example, we've been working with the police department and doing um, what we call demo sessions. It might go from 9 in the morning until about 6 or 7 at night. And or 30-minute cycles, working with groups of officers coming out of the field. And we're finding that there are so many very practical ways to be able to offer um, these kind of sessions. Now, that was not for pay. That was part of uh, both the research and part of our community give back um, on that piece. And one of the things that happens is there's so many um, people that once you start talking to them, they're open. So, what Mm -hmm. our team did here, the Lowstone team, is that we actually hosted a few sessions at a local hotel that invited officers in, we invited community members in, and to start having kind of heart centered discussions where we learned the tools together um, and then kind of let's see where the conversation might go. Uh, We found that some of the um, police officers really connected with the fact that this is promoting wellness for them. It's not just another tactical tool. But this mm-hmm. actually helps them not only perform better when they're on duty, but help them go home better as well. And so there you see this expansion. So with, with a couple of the officers, you know, I just gave them, uh, you know, some equipment, gave them um, access to some of the tools. And then, of course, HeartMet was very generous with the March Adventure. We told them about that. Um, and you just see this ability. It's kind of like active volunteering um, where you really come in and just work with folks, again, meeting them where they are, letting them tell you where they're trying to go, and then sharing how the tools uh, can help.
0: Amazing stuff. I just so appreciate what you're called to do, what you are doing, James, and any way we can assist in this, I think is so important for for us, for all of us, and for helping with what's going on in the world today. So it's it's the power and the intelligence of the heart, and coming together to add heart to what you're doing is really, really important for all of us. And we're going to close with a heart-focused meditation that we can all do together to help each of us identify What we're called to do, how we can show up within our own communities, whether we have communities at home, we have social groups, we have workplace communities, church communities, as well as the larger city or town or county that we're in and the communities there. And the best way, of course, we know we can contribute to making a sustainable difference is using the tools ourselves. But really, listening to our own hearts, guidance for our own inner direction, of where we can help make a difference, and energetically, it, we can add heart and send heart to the work you, James, are doing and others who are really taking this into communities. That would be so great. Let's, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So let's let's all focus on the heart and. Uh, Do some heart-focused breathing, slowing down our breath, breathing in through the heart and out through the heart a little more slowly, a little more deeply than normal, finding an easy rhythm that's comfortable. We continue heart-focused breathing. Let's breathe in feelings of appreciation for the work that James is doing, and for the people being positively impacted by that. And let's let that appreciation warm our hearts. And now let's radiate our collective heart-powered intention to feel and see forward movement in the police, community organizers, social services, the people in communities coming together and having more heart-based connections with each other. See those heart-based communities emerging to help co-create a new normal. Let's ask our own hearts, what is it that our heart guidance would give us to show up with more of that presence within our own communities, home, work, social group, families. How can we facilitate making a difference, adding heart to our own communities and to what's making a difference? close by spending a few minutes just appreciating each other, and as we do so, creating a reservoir of empowered heart energy we can each draw upon to help energize our heart commitments, our heart connections, to make a difference in our lives and the lives of others, to help reduce, release separation, so we can all get along. Let's with that and radiate that intention as we build that reservoir of energy we can access over this next month. Well, I want to thank you all for participating with us and thank you, James, so much for the wonderful work you're doing, your deep heart, your commitment, and your contribution and for sharing with all of us on this call today.
1: Thank you for having me, Debbie. I really appreciate being here.
0: Everyone, we've got our next call will be Tuesday, September 15th at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. And... Um, I know you all be putting on a lot of heart, along with all of us here, to help uh, reduce separation and establish more heart connection with what the world is going through, these unpredictable times, and uh, needs all the love and care we can give us. Give to everyone. So thank you so much, and uh, take care.